Welcome to Leadership Mindset, the podcast where we uncover the hidden gems of sales and business leadership. In each episode, our goal is to bring you up close and personal with the world's most accomplished business leaders. We explore their experiences, motivations, inspirations, and the challenges they've conquered on their way to the top. Grab a coffee and enjoy the conversation with today's guest, Sampa Nikanen. Sampa, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Paul. Nice to meet you again. You too, you too. Sampa, you're you're based in Finland still, right? You're in you're in Helsinki. Yeah, that's right. So currently I'm working for a small IT consultancy in Finland. Yeah. I've been around Europe as well before that. Like I was yeah. born and raised basically in a small town in Finland uh, called okay. Fuopio. So it's about 100,000 people in the central parts of the country. Okay. Can you tell me a little bit about what's that like? Because most people will be familiar with Helsinki perhaps. And I'd imagine that's very different from middle Finland, which is a lot quieter and more rural in nature. Yeah, so that's basically like Finnish Lake District. And it's surrounded by forests and thousands of lakes. And but, so it's it's really peaceful down there. It's nice, relaxing, especially like during the summer. And over the winter, it's obviously like really cold. A cold spot in there, but like... Other than that, I really enjoyed basically living in there as well. Mm. But like, I always kind of, I, I remember I always wanted to experience something else too. So like my parents told me that even when I was a kid, I was already like explaining how, how I really wanted to move abroad and do like different things in different countries and this sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, I think it's pretty normal that we look towards things that are not necessarily, if you're of a curious mind, things that are not in an environment. When you think back though, what are the what are the elements of that lifestyle that you now miss? Oh, from there, from the central parts of the country. Mm. Uh, well, I miss sauna, obviously, and swimming in the <laughs> lakes. <laughs> and yeah. I still do that sometimes in Helsinki as well, but it's a big sea in here. So I might yeah. go and relax sometimes, like in the public sauna, which is by the sea in Helsinki, and just go and dip myself into the sea as well, like in the ice cold water as well, in during the winter. Yeah, yeah, interesting. What do and you I, think I, and people... I miss my family obviously sometimes too, but I see them all the time. Sure. They come to visit me. I go there. It's good now, yeah. but when I was living abroad, for example, it was harder to see them. Yeah, for people who've never been fortunate enough to spend time in Finland or visit Finland, what do you think people misunderstand about the country? Misunderstand about the Finnish culture? Uh, they probably think that Finnish people are really shy and somehow, I don't know, how would you put it, like uh, shut down in a way, so it's really hard for them to open up. And it's kind of the reality as well. But when you go get close to a Finn, it's probably really easy, open conversations that you can have with them as well. Uh, mm. So, but then again, like my perspective has changed also. Like, obviously, this is my home country, but when I've been living in different countries, so I already did my bachelor's in England, for example, 
I did my master's in Denmark after that. Then I moved back to Finland. Then I was in Ireland where I met you as well uh, for a while. Uh, I went back to Finland again, then to the Netherlands. So I've been all around Europe basically. And mm. when I returned to Finland now, I think it's still somehow difficult to get back into the real Finnish culture because I've been basically brought up somehow during these years and in the national circus, uh, circles as well. So it's like, for me, I'm kind of the outsider in my home country already, but like, uh, other than that, uh, well, I do love the Finnish people, but I, I like different people everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny because one of the things that I find remarkable is when you go there, is how quiet everything is. Oh, yeah. That's Versus, true. say, if you go to Spain and you're on in public transport in Spain, which is probably the other end of that extreme, it's, it's, it's really interesting to even just what you absorb from the atmosphere and how different it is. But uh, it's so peaceful in Finland. And I think that reflects the, the, the culture of the people as well. And you can sense the environment. It's a very safe, pe peaceful place. But, yeah, but what I'm curious about... Sorry, Sampa, go ahead. Yeah, but people like still, you know, talking, but they don't necessarily talk like out loud in the public place. Yeah. But it's yeah. easy to catch, for example, the decision makers in Finland because they all use like uh, a common database where they list their mobile phone numbers and these type of things that we've always had. So it's yeah. like, it might be easy, for example, to talk with them over the phone or like having like private conversations otherwise. Yeah. Does that not mean though they get it bombarded with calls? Uh, they might do, yeah. But obviously, yeah. like it's a combination. Nowadays, it's it's a combination how you do the sales as well. So it's not only the calls, but it's, it's like reaching out on LinkedIn and doing like sure. throw tagging in that sense as well. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then when you actually reach them and you're able to leave the voicemails and everything beforehand as well, and they know what you're gonna be talking about, it's gonna be an easy sure. conversation. Yeah. You said when you were younger that you always had a sense that you wanted to move move away and do something. Did you have a sense what that was, what you wanted to do? Uh, not really. So I just knew after high school, basically, I knew that I wanted to go and study somewhere. And... I didn't even know what I really wanted to study. So I was thinking about, for example, political sciences first, but then I ended up studying business in England. And I mm. thought that it would be something that it's, I don't know, kind of a broad science and you'd be easily able to figure out what you really want to do after the studies then. And mm. I didn't know anything about the sales either like before yeah. I actually ended up uh, to my first workplace and my first job, how did, really. Yeah. How, how did that happen then that you ended up in sales when you were thinking about political science? Well, after I had graduated, did my bachelor's in England, I ended up doing the master's uh, uh, in Denmark then. And after I graduated from there, basically, I just started to apply any job. I knew that I wanted to kind of go back to, or come back to Helsinki and Finland and then look for something in here. So I started looking for any type of jobs and I ended up having like account management position in a mm. uh, weather service company in Finland. 
And that was kind of interesting also because I did not know anything about sales whatsoever. And they basically, because it was just bought by like an investment firm and they wanted to expand heavily abroad. So they just basically hired somebody who knew a bit of English and was able to uh, maybe, you know, start getting leads from abroad and doing this sort of thing. And but it was kind of like really challenging. And I learned a lot in that job as well, because they gave me the laptop and the mobile phone and told me basically to start contacting people all around the world. So it was really interesting. I ended up doing uh, deals to Taiwan, for example, and the kind of smaller deals to different countries in European countries as well, obviously Finnish, Finnish market too. Uh, but then after a while, like I had already, like after a year or so, I basically, I just wanted to get something a bit more stable and maybe learn a little bit differently from sales from another perspective. But it was interesting first job. And I had like a bit of a sales training there as well already in the beginning, but it mm. was by a Finnish sales training company and they didn't really know anything about expanding abroad. Mm. But like, so it actually taught me a lot of things that job basically, but it was really mm. challenging. As, as somebody who's lived in a number of different countries and sold to people from many different countries, how important is cultural understanding in those conversations? Well, it's really important, I would say, but it's more about the fact that like at least a larger organization, they all have like similar type of buying processes. So it's, it's more about listening to they actually like what they need and then uh, doing the presentations. And what makes a good sales rep, basically, it's the ability to listen and then adapt your presentations and respond to the change that they are kind of requesting there when you listen to them pretty carefully. Mm. And, but the, but, so, so the main point is that like, okay, the big corporations, they, they basically, uh, they act the same way in every country, but then the buying personas basically change. And they might mm. be culturally influenced somehow. So you have to be able to uh, know the people really well and be able mm. to maybe spot some culture differences in there. And I can see like really inter interesting behaviors, like differences in behaviors already in the Nordic countries, for example. Or mm. like Benelux, where I used to live in the Netherlands as well, like the Benelux countries and the Nordic countries and the UK as well. So, but globally, there are loads of like big differences, I would say, but I can spot out easily even the smallest differences between the Nordic nations. Mm. That's interesting because I've always found that with certainly with the large multinational com countries, there's almost like a homogenous culture. Uh, across the board that if you're selling into them in different countries that there's a that you yeah there's 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 local nuances but broadly speaking there's a common approach in a common way i don't know if you've ever felt that um maybe it's just my own kind of western bias i don't know uh yes somehow like i don't know i used to sell i i've been selling to ctos and hr decision makers basically the most clear and I was working, for example, in a company 
uh, where we were selling um, like personality assessment and these type of things mm. to the HR decision makers, like uh, uh, kind of solutions to plan your leadership and mm. plan everything accordingly, like through the personas in there. So it might be that mm. I'm influenced somehow, somehow from that that background as well. But I think the buying personas are strongly influenced through their national mm. inheritance and the environment they actually live in. In Sweden, for example, people tend to take the time to discuss all aspects of the deal, whereas in Finland, uh, any deal can be pushed through easier with an individual stakeholder who takes it to the management team. Whereas in, in Sweden, you have to kind of discuss with the whole management team. Interesting. And then, yeah. like, I, I've been in the meetings, for example, in the Netherlands, and where people were shocked by the fact that I kind of went directly into the business talk and didn't necessarily have any small talk in the beginning. So my colleague said after the meeting that maybe somebody you should talk about weather or something in the beginning, even though the, <laughs> uh, even though the Dutch people are really known about their direct. Yeah. <laughs> so, but Finnish yeah. people, they, they love actually going directly into the topic as well. Yeah. I, that, that, I can understand that. I can understand that. No, no time. Small talk is for for the for the pub, for the bar, or wherever. Um, what I wanted to ask you was, um, I want to get on to a little bit about AI, if you don't mind. Later on, it's just because it's so topical at the moment, and I'm and I'm when I'm talking to people, I'm endlessly curious about how they're thinking about it. Before we go there, maybe just spend a little bit more time telling me about. What motivates you most to do what you're doing currently from a, a work point of view? Uh, well, I really, as basically as a millennial salesperson, the biggest motivation for me is like, I don't know, the constant change in a way and the ability to work wherever I want or like however I want. So I like my freedom definitely in that sense. Mm. Uh, I like to be also motivated by the fact uh, that I'm doing something sensible. For example, I'm working for a company that uh, share my values in a way. Mm -hmm. So, and I love the IT development world, the world in Finland. So that's that's something that shares my values in many in many aspects. Because, like mm. at the moment, I'm really satisfied. For example, like living and working like for a Finnish company and seeing a lot of international people also. Uh, but then again, like they, they give me all the freedom to do what, how, why mm. I want, what comes to traveling and, you know, working from where I want. Mm. You mentioned there a moment ago about your, your values and the company you're working for shares those. How would you describe those? I, uh, well, it's, it's about ability to make the decisions on your own as well. So it's maybe coming from my background because I'm always been like really independent somehow. Mm. Uh, um, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm really passionate. Like it's not always been easy for me as a like gay guy, even though I'm from a really accepting Nordic culture. So mm. I'm kind of like open for. I want the company to be open for all kinds of people in a way as well. Mm. And 
Uh, this is what drives me in a sense. Uh, I've always had my struggles also when it comes to like different, I've probably seen like uh, more psychologists or psychiatrists in different countries than an average person basically uh, meeting their lifetime. So, mm. or I've been a client for them. So in that sense, like mental health awareness, is really, really mm. something that I want companies to take seriously nowadays as well. Mm. Can you dig a little bit deeper into that for me, please? And as much as you're comfortable with around, particularly around the, the, the environment around mental um, awareness of mental health and what we can do about it. And what I'm curious about it as well, if somebody's also dipped my own toe into that water, is probably around some of the, the I hate the word triggers, but the, I guess the environmental factors that can impact mental health. And I'm, I'm speaking maybe broadly, dip in as much as you want from your own personal experience, but just your own broad experience I'm interested in as well. Well, it's just like, my experience and uh, how you get older and you start accepting yourself as you are as well and mm. you've learned a lot like from different cultures from the past and like you not necessarily like uh obeyed by the culture norms that much anymore and you're able to know yourself really well as well when you get older so i just kind of like I don't necessarily want to go into details like what I have experienced sure. and I'm really like in a stable position, for example, now, now but I've had mm. my struggles, as I said, mm. and so I'm able to analyze myself nowadays really well and carefully. And, mm. you know, I've learned by doing in that same sense, like doing mm. mistakes as well. And that have shaped me like a really strong person nowadays. So I, I, I just want to say to anybody basically was listening that like even though you in a really i don't know deep spot like at the moment somehow like there's help available and like as long as you just stay communicative and talking to people and seek for help like you can come through from a really hard spot as well so there's there's like loads of opportunities for companies to you know offer that sort of help to any, any, any people as well. Yeah. And I'd like to echo that as well, because I don't think we talk about it enough. Certainly I grew up in a, in a generation that just couldn't talk about mental health. And I mean, I don't make any secret of it. I've been talking to a therapist for the last three years now. And a lot of that stemmed from really just, there was so much stuff in the environment I felt I just reacted to. Things that I would allow, and I think for me the benefit was um, not changing who I am. I don't think it changes you a person. I think it gives you different tools. And the, the biggest one for me was just being an a, a kind of awareness early that I could feel in my stomach and being tuning into my own body of what it was uh, that was I was reacting to that I could then decide to move away from that. And it might be just as simple as turning off something on the radio where before I'd be listening to it on the radio or TV or whatever, or online. <laughs> and I just, I, I, I found it, I struggled to, 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 to not just react to it. And I, I think that was a, but, but I think the big, the big call is, as you're absolutely right, 
there's there's a lot of help and a lot of people uh, just talking about stuff I find is highly uh, is really really useful but uh, well but I appreciate you sharing that um, yeah exactly and it's like basically when you start knowing yourself you start knowing your body as well and how it's reacting to different kinds of situations well so I mm. love doing all sort of exercises physically as well I uh, mm. love running and gym and I've always played basketball like when I was a kid. Nowadays, I don't do it anymore, but like, and done winter sports as well. These sort of things, yeah. like they've helped me a lot basically to overcome any struggles and then mm. to concentrate if somebody, if something is stressing me out at the point, uh, I'm able to kind of concentrate my energy on something else. And then mm. feel really relaxed, like afterwards. So I think physical like activity is really important for the cover, uh, recovery in many situations. Yeah, well. yeah. Well, I think I was watching something. I think it was Gary V. Uh, video or some sort of meme. And one of the things I took from it was 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 really around the expectations that there's a there's a lot in our external environment that tries to shape expectations which is impossible to love, live up to for most people. I mean, he talked about like not trying to, you know, that, that society is telling you all the time, you need to be, uh, to be successful, you need to be a multimillionaire. And guess what? There's going to be very, very few people who are going to achieve that. It's like saying, uh, I, I want to be a superb hockey player or soccer player. Well, guess what? Most people are not going to get that. And, and, and so... Being content and happy with yourself is one thing, but also being content and happy with with the environment, with the external. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think because you, that's harder to control. It's 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 more how do I how do we interact with it and what do we tune into and and shut off and and it's also accepting yeah who you are, but also what you are and 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 the talents and and just sometimes. People have good luck and other times it depends on where you're from, that you may have all the talent in the world, but you're just not going to get the breaks because of that. It's, uh, I, I yeah, just think that I, our, our modern world, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Go and ahead, in something. sales especially, like it's, it's competitive environment as well, but like yeah. I, I like the competition somehow too, but you just have mm. to be, uh, you, ha you just have to make yourself to be able to level with it. Uh, like yeah. you just have to be strong enough basically to handle it somehow. Mm. So we know Samba that you love freedom, independence are strong drivers for you. Talk to me a little bit about who inspires you. Who? Yeah. Past or present. <laughs> like there's not yeah. an individual. So I, I've never been a big fan of any musician or live performer or anything like that, really. I'm getting my okay. inspiration from uh, basically experiences yeah, and what I do myself. And then off the talks that I have with my close ones as well. Uh, mm. So I think I could be somehow like from my close circle of friends, for example, I could be spotting out that somebody is doing something really nicely and I'd like to be able to get into that sort of a behavior as well. And then I might ask him like, or like a little bit of questions, how, how they've ended up like that or like ended up doing something like that. And, you know, of those small conversations, I try to pick up like what's best for me in the longer run as well and what 
if it's reflecting to my goals somehow as well, what my goals mm. are. Mm. And, but it's changing all the time. So there could be like a new opportunity coming from around the corner anytime as well. So it's like, there's not a single person I'm really idolizing. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to ask it slightly differently then. I want you to imagine you're having di a dinner party for friends and you can invite one extra person, anybody on the planet, past or present, to attend that dinner party with you. Past or present. Well, it would be probably my best friend. <laughs> like, Is he, he or she not already at the table with you? Yeah, yeah. But okay, like, okay. Yeah. Having somebody, maybe a public, let's say it's a public figure. And it could be somebody from the business world. It could be somebody uh, in in a movie. It could be a singer. It could well, be anybody. I, I've really kind of like, I've liked the idea and like what I've been reading on the papers, what like our Finnish prime minister, Sanna Marin, has been doing to our like country brand now as well. Like she's been a big uh, idol for many people internationally as well. Hmm. So maybe I could so talk she, to her for she gets the she gets the, the the chair at the table. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. And she um, she knows how to party as well, obviously. Well, do you know something? I was <laughs> thinking that in my head, and I said, <laughs> should I say that or not? <laughs> <Would> that <laughs> because I, I because I'm not as close to it. I mean, yeah, that was reported internationally at the time, obviously, um, but that doesn't define her. And I thought maybe it's unfair, but. <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed she's your or ex-prime yeah. minister now i think right yeah um, oh are they, yeah. yeah just they're just but forming the new government basically. yeah she's still very young and she'll be back i would imagine yeah oh did she leave no no i'm, I'm thinking of uh jacinda ardern she left politics no she did not mm. leave yet Well, like they no, New, new Zealand Prime Minister. Oh, the I'm new talking Zealand. About. Sorry, sorry. You, uh, yeah, just, yeah. Jacinda, she left politics. I think. Yeah, like she, she did stepped actually. Down and, uh, yeah, 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 like a couple of months yeah. ago. So. Yeah. No. Um, what I'm curious about, just to talk to you a little bit about AI, and I know it's just one of those topics, and and maybe maybe we're we're oversaturated with it at the moment a little bit, but I, I, how are you guys talking about this in terms of internal use? but also how your industry may change. And the reason I bring this up was because there was a, an advertisement, I think it came from a Belgian company, and it was on the side of a building, big, big, big construction site. And it said, hey, ChatGPT, finish this building. And, the, and their whole point was, you know, that you still need construction workers. I think it was a union, the Impact Union put it up. And somebody had already this morning created a meme that was going around and it was of a robot jumping through on a construction site, working really hard. And I just thought, wow, e even that, because when I saw the, the, the initial poster, I thought, oh, that's genius. I like that. Yeah, the construction industry, we're still going to need manual labor. But then I'm looking at all the robots that are now coming into the construction industry and are even... Even you have these, uh, not injection molded, what do you call it when you, um, a pre, uh, printing, uh, tr not pl you know, plastic printing, you could have a, a, a pr 
printer, what do you call it? Um, yeah, but what, what do you, you mean You can print by... blocks, basically, yeah. And, yeah, and... yeah. So you mean by AI, like, you mean different... What do you mean by, like, basically what they've come up with now, like, yeah. Yeah, well, and, and you know what? That's a great question, because there's a lot of things that are now being called AI because it's one of those topics du jour, and they're not AI at all. It's just technology, right? It's just good technology. But the yeah. AI stuff is, is, is I guess, is where it becomes... Uh, because that, like Apple now, now today, just basically, oh, it was it yesterday they released a new uh, virtual reality classes. So do you mean something mm. like that or something, something that could be used to, I don't know, well, write the code? I'll give you, example. I'll give you, I'll g yeah, I'll give you a couple of examples. So that's one coding. So th that's yeah. a really clear one. And what I heard was that junior coders will be replaced. And I thought, okay. But guess what? If you replace junior coders today, they're the senior coders of tomorrow. So, uh, and, and I saw somebody was talking about the fact that in, in five years' time, coding will not be a human. And they were separating no, out they, they, programming they will, from coding. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I know those talks. But, like, basically, my opinion is that, like, developers are always going to be so it's it's like mm. sales as well. Like they're gonna be needed anyway. Okay, from sales perspective, you might have some help, you know, forming the emails and these sort of things. But you still kind of still need uh, always need the human contact in that too. And uh, what comes to coding, somehow you still still need those people who are gonna be at least you know uh, planning the project. And actually, like, mm. checking what's done by the robots as well and what's been written. So it needs some sort of a human element there, definitely, as well. So most of the developer's job nowadays, I don't think it's only writing code. That's a mistaken perspe perspective, basically. Uh, and I'm not, like, necessarily the best person to talk about yeah. this topic. So it yeah. would be probably something, somebody who's, like, really done something in the development side themselves as well. Uh, yeah. But like my opinion is definitely that you always gonna be needing needing like somebody to check things yeah. and like to actually plan things as well. Yeah, not sure I share that though, Sam, because I think sometimes it depends, right? I know that it that that's the answer to most of these things. It depends, but the most efficient way of checking coding is with another AI tool that will check the coding for you. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some like examples of it. You know? development and all yeah. of those as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, but those, yeah. those have always been there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. I think also, no, no, it's true. It's true. I think also in the sales side of things, I think there'll be a, there's a threshold shift. For example, we have purchased for for a long time now. We've made purchases online without the intervention of a salesperson, right? Because if it's a commodity, like a phone, you can buy a phone online. I, I can go on Apple store and I buy this, right? Um, and, and, and therefore I think that just the threshold of what we'll buy without the intervention of a salesperson may move. I think you're, I think there's obviously a, an element of the market where people want to buy from where it's, where we need help navigating and we want a human who empathizes with us. I think those sales will yeah, so continue that, to be that's human. That's going to stay. And I started to think about the development side as well somehow. It's like basically the planning, what tools they use. 
uh, how mm. the project is run and all of that, it's really important to be taken care of by the human still, I think. And it's like, yeah, because most of the, like, I don't know, coding is a lot of automation already. So, but, mm. but developers are, are going to be, going to stay in it, I would say. And what comes to, for example, like somebody has to be planning and implementing and uh, educating the clients as well, like what we're mm. doing in my current company, for example, in the maintenance sector. So that's mm. like, because like the buyers, for example, they, well, the buyers are not necessarily developers and they're not necessarily educated about the processes, how to do the development either. So that is something that uh, remains to be done somehow. And it's mm. like, in the Nordic countries, in the UK, yeah, in in Benelux countries as well, Ireland, like all of these kind of, in a way, advanced buyer societies, uh, the level might be higher somehow from the buying personas as well, how they really mm. buy the IT development and the consultancy and all that. But then like in the Southern European countries, for example, a lot remains to be done. I in the processes mm. and how, mm. how they run in the company. So in, in that way, like somebody who's planning the development, the developers are going to be needed. Mm. No, no, I, I, it's, it's, I think what we're trying to figure out is where that line is. Uh, I think you said earlier that you were selling uh, assessments, like kind of behavioral assessments in a previous company. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's different than selling to HR. Yeah. yeah. But, but <laughs> yeah. the interesting, well, the, but the, inter the, yeah, for me, I don't know if you've played around with this, but I went on to ChatGPT last week yeah. and I said, and, and my jaw, I, I was, I was really amazed with this. And I said, I want you to assess my behavioral personality according to the disc model. And oh, okay. I said, I want you to ask as many questions as you need to have a 95% certainty of my preferred style. And I was shocked. Boom, 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 boom. Like you'd get on a, on a professional psych, it's not psychometric, but you know what I'm, those kind of assessments. And I, I, yeah, I was shocked by how, and, and therefore I think that's now, I don't know that it's going to put out a business, those companies selling those, but I do know that the value of those, you can no longer charge 500 euros per per assessment i think th i think they're going to have to f add, add add value elsewhere into that product mix in order to stay in business so i think there's a lot of adaptation that's yeah going adaptation to go on is needed definitely in that sense i would say yeah. as well because like uh then what i remember about like that job where i used to work like uh, basically already then a lot of things were changing, like how the things were done online rather than like having face-to-face mm. -face assessments and these sort of things. Mm. And, uh, obviously those psychological frameworks as well, they've been uh, developed during the decades. So it might be 30 years of actually development work done for them. So I don't yeah. think it's going to be replaced easily uh, by yeah. the computers, but somehow some yeah. sort of adaptation is needed and it, it has already started before the chat. GDP for example. Yeah. Okay. Samba, we're going to go to the wheel. I should have had this plugged in, but there's my little computer with the wheel. Just, I have 20 questions here. So we're going to go and pick one at random. I'm going to spin the wheel so you can see it spinning. And uh, yeah. what does it come up with? Uh, what kind of character uh, trait that you don't possess 
do you find attractive in others? Oh, that's an interesting one. What kind of character trait that you don't possess do you find attractive in others? Hmm. Uh, that's difficult. Uh, mm. Well, for me, it's easy to be open, tell uh, what I think, kind of, and not necessarily. Well, I analyze myself, yeah, of course, but like I'm really open about what's coming to my mind. So mm. in certain moments, I wish I'd be able to, you know, think before I talk. Okay. <laughs> like, so, and I appreciate if tact? somebody is a bit more sensible in that sense. So in my past, for example, I've done the crazy shit, you know. <laughs> but, but, well, I'm older now. I'm wiser now, so that's good. Yeah. When you say crazy stuff, stuff you've done or just maybe something you said that you wish you, in the moment you hadn't said it? Uh, well, mostly said, probably, but yeah. then it might be some crazy stuff that I... And like also, but it's, it's nothing, in the, it's nothing in the serious, past. really. Yeah, it's in the sure. past. Let yeah. It yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we'll <laughs> leave it there. Um, if you were to write a book, Sampa, what would you write a book about? What would it be? Uh, something, something. I, I definitely, I'm, I'm passionate about self, so that's something I mm. want to be doing in the future as well. So it needs okay. to be, I'm passionate about the leadership styles as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm really, I actually enjoy my work and what I'm doing. So it, it, it would be somehow work related, I'd say. Mm. And okay. definitely about communication methods and like these sort of things as well. And maybe okay. culture differences. I don't know. Like so, well, so, let, something from this field. Okay. Well, let's talk then about leadership and a little bit about your own journey. Uh, talk to me first about what you've learned about yourself as you've grown from individual contributor into a leadership position. Mm, well, basically, I like also analyzing other people and teaching them kind of like what I have learned in the past myself. But I like mm. doing that uh, by, you know, leading by example, I'd say. Mm. So, for example, to my meetings with the client, uh, I'd like to take in other people from my team and show them how I'm doing it and then discuss afterwards, like, how, how we, we've done it together and this mm. type of model. So it's like, uh, I don't see the big difference, really, in leading somebody than by actually doing sales yourself. Because I, I, I never mm. want to be in a position where I wouldn't be somehow contributing uh, towards this, uh, like actually doing the sales myself too. So I, I, I wouldn't like to be in a position where I only manage people. Mm. So it's like, I, I, I like the idea of leading by example. Okay. And, and both like when you listen to clients as well, Listening is really important skill for a sales rep, but it's also mm. about listening your employees as well and reporting they mm. need. So it's very, mm. I think sales and like being a manager is basically like they've got lots of similarities in there. Okay. So listening is a powerful one in terms of a 
characteristic traits, skill set, mindset that's important. What else? If you were to write a book about sales leadership and you could choose one topic, and I know you mentioned communication, but that's also a broad, a broad topic. Yeah, but to focus you, in. I I think you need to be able to somehow um, like develop trust for the client, for your employees, like. Integrity is really important element. So you have to be, stay honest to yourself and stay honest to others. So honesty, I'd say, and transparency so that, in many senses. Yeah. So, so that, that brings up an interesting question. There was a, a poll on LinkedIn during the week and it says, do you think leadership can be taught or is it just innate? And my, my gut feel was, well, you can teach it. You can teach, there's certainly aspects of it you can teach. But what you said there, that the character elements, honesty, integrity, are really important. And I don't know that you can teach those. So then can you teach leadership if you can't teach those? No, I agree, basically, to a certain extent that it's really difficult to change, like, people's personality. Mm. And, like, the personality trait that you gain by the age of 20 or something are going to be the leading characteristics like for the rest of your life, I think. Uh, but you can develop and you can, like, there are different types of leaders as well. Like what yeah. I was doing in my job, like when I was selling to the HR, I tried to kind of figure out like what sort of leaders, for example, their company would actually need. So there could be a different need for different companies. Uh, so in certain, uh, so, so in certain situation, a specific characteristic, like is something that a company really needs when in other situations, they only need like other characteristics. So it's like, there are different types of leaders that suits for different types of positions. So it's not that mm. it, it, it's not, well, you, you can't single-handedly say that like what what kind of leader is a good leader in my in my opinion so it depends on the situation the environment and the company they work for well i suppose in, in one respect what defines good leadership is is followers that if, if you don't have people who are willing to follow or trust or buy into you that's bad leadership so so i think at that level you could probably yeah somewhat put it in a box, but, but, but you're right. I mean, there's different types, obviously, you know, there's absolutely depending on the context. Tell me then, talk to me a little bit about the aspects of leadership that you struggle to grow into and how you've overcome that. Well, obviously nobody likes micromanagement and in big corporations, that is something that is done like in many situations. Uh, but in, in that situation, I would just, you know, perform and do the goals, even though they seem a little bit silly. And mm. I guess you gain or learn some sort of like resilience or like mm. consistency from that as well. So it's not necessarily all bad, but you know, I couldn't be working for many, many years and where I went where my goals would be like completely set and micromanaged 
somehow without real discussion. I'd say. Mm. What about your own sense of your own leadership? What have you struggled with? And I'll give you an example. A lot of people I've spoken to said, when certainly when they moved from individual contributor, and I know you said you love to still be involved in the sales side, so maybe maybe my question isn't the right question, but they have often struggled with once they moved from that and they were managing people, that they, they it's not that they micromanage, but they struggle to let go and let somebody else learn and make their own mistakes. So that's a, that's a big struggle for people sometimes in that transition. And I just was curious. Yeah, that's difficult. You... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. difficult to, you know, leave yourself in the background there and yeah. <laughs> kind of let other people to make mistakes too. Yeah. Have you mm. cracked that yet? Or are you still, still in that phase? I, I kind of like, I, I like to think that. I've cracked that, yeah. Mm. It depends who you'd yeah. be asking, but like, <laughs> I guess it's just the fact that, you know, you leave yourself in the background and then you might direct your employees like into the right direction somehow. Mm. Like, mm. with smaller gestures and like, kind of like, uh, I don't know. You have to leave them to figure out what they want to do on their own. That's the main mm. main point, kind of like. And it's the same thing with the client as well. Obviously, like nobody is buying if you're telling them to buy. They have to figure out that they really need to buy them. Mm. If, yeah. yeah, it's a difficult one for me. For me personally, anyway, because it's it requires you to stand back. But also be vigilant because you don't know when you need to step in. And, and yeah, that's you, I, I think the most one. important thing in, in that situation is to stay polite mm. and give like small hints towards the right decision. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. In the year we're in, 2023, as of this recording, what do you see are the key challenges facing sales leadership? And because so much has changed over the last three years in terms of how we manage working from home, all of these different things that have happened to us. And I was just curious, to, and of course, buyers are changing and evolving and so on. Where do you see the key challenges now that leaders are looking for help with? Well, the downfall in the economy, obviously. Like, it's, it's going to be changing the environment somehow. Uh, at the moment, I believe in like in the next couple of years so we have to uh keep on obviously like searching for new opportunities and not only rely on the existing clients and these sort of things like that that's something that needs to be done uh but i think that uh after covid basically you the sales team are more or less like they're more efficient probably somehow or at least myself uh mm. i like doing things you know, online. And even before COVID, I was already doing a lot of meetings online. And it just makes things so much more efficient when you don't have to be flying between the countries, driving around in taxis, like doing all of that, waiting somebody in the lobby and he or she's mm. never showing up really, like for the first meeting or something. So it's like, mm. uh, in many ways, we've already responded to the market needs, like, that 
the downfall is going to be demanding somehow. Yeah. And yeah. so I think in that sense, in sales, like we've already been ahead of the curve so much. <laughs> like, and now mm. hopefully it's going to be smooth sailing for the next few years. I Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Speaking of the next few years, Sampa, as you look forward, imagine that you didn't have to work again. You're financially independent. And in fact, you can't take up, you can't work. You need somebody else to take that job. You're now free to do anything you want. What would you do with your time? I would travel. Definitely, but that I do already now. I've planned trips. Mm. I was working remotely for a month in the winter in the Canary Islands, Madeira, the Athelries as well. Uh, I was in Portugal too. Uh, I was. I just went to Israel. I'm going to Japan in the summer, uh, Luxembourg and the Netherlands again, like also in the summer. But then I would probably just travel more. I've never been to Australia, New Zealand either. I would do these sort of things, but I'd like yeah. to stay somehow connected to the business world still. So yeah. maybe I would sit in the port spot. Sounds to me in Tampa like you're living your best life. Really? <laughs> it does. It does. I haven't seen the pictures. <laughs> I don't, I haven't seen the evidence, but from what you're saying, the idea of work, particularly winter months, and we know what it's like in Finland during the winter, although I think there's wonderful opportunities for sports and all that kind of stuff. But I think uh, if you can go to, as you said, you mentioned Lisbon, Canary Islands, uh, Israel, like that's a wonderful way to be able to live your life, to just have that freedom to go and, and, and you're able to work from there because of, because of the technology. Yeah, and, exactly. So in many uh, ways, yeah, I'm, I'm already like uh, living my dream, but like, obviously yeah. like, you know, I could do something differently. So I'm happy with my life definitely at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the bit I happen to see the pictures of you. You often see whether it's Instagram, somebody, you know, when they're living their best life, it's usually um, a photograph of their feet up on a table with a cocktail in front of them, and they're pretending to work. You know, working. Of course, we know that's not possible. Um, no, I would never just, like when yeah, I was doing yeah. remote work. I, I would never like work next to the pool or no. something. I would have yeah, she, my desk and actually do the work. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you just spill your drink and the keys get all sticky. It's no fun. No. <laughs> That's not a way not. to work. Interesting. So you, you, you travel more and you mentioned that Australia and New Zealand would be high on your, on your list. Um, mm -hmm. Any other bucket list things you could like to do with your life before your time on the planet is done? Well, I'm... I still continue searching for the special someone. <laughs> so mm. if, if somebody's interested, just give me a call. <laughs> and and, and you, you'll, you'll travel anywhere for that. <laughs> well, almost, yeah, I guess. Almost, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I, I think there's a lot of other people share. I ju you know what's funny is I actually think that in some way technology has opened up the dating screen. I never... Obviously, in my age, never relied on technology for dating because when I dated, didn't exist. But um, it's in some respects, it's made it easier. But in doing so, I think it's made it more difficult. That's my sense. And that's just from a, a third party observation side of things that. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm, people... I'm, 
I'm used to like online dating. So I've, I've mm. always done that. Then I was yeah. teenager, basically. Yeah. So it's, it's like, a generational thing. It's, yeah. 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 And it's basically yeah. like the gay people that we were already used to that really early on. Because we had our mm. own online website, like websites, basically, before the apps and stuff. And okay. then crying about that before Tinder and all of that as well. Well, then three final, just looking at the time, Sampa, three final uh, questions to uh, finish this out. Desert Island. If you were going to be marooned on a desert island, you don't know that you're ever going to be rescued. What one thing, not person, what one thing would you take with you? That's a difficult one. I would probably take like good pair of shoes or something, so I could just walk around. Very practical. <laughs> yeah, and explore. Yeah. No, it's interesting actually yeah. that <laughs> I, I'm fascinated because people tend to answer that question with either it's something very practical, uh, or it can be something to entertain them. It tends to be one or the other. It's it's interesting. Um, okay, good pair of shoes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I should have said, yeah, it's just beautiful sand on this desert island, but, uh, then the sand could be yeah, too hot. Yeah, but the sand is hot as well, then. Yeah. yeah, no, no, it's for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, second one is if your apartment house, your home were burning down and I don't know, I'm assuming you don't have any pets. If you travel a lot, it's not easy to no. have pets, right? Yeah. Um, but your phone and your computer are safe, but you have time to run back in and rescue one item, what would it be and why? So you said the phone and laptop would be safe already. They're safe, yeah, yeah, yeah. I say that because everybody picks their phone when I, if I, before I took that away. Well, I would probably take the box where I keep, for example, old photos and stuff. Mm. But those are like from before the digital time. Yeah, I presume you have them digitized though. Not all of them. That's the problem. Ooh, That's why I'm that, actually take the box. This might be your reminder now, Sampa, <laughs> yeah. to go and digitize those because one day they may not be there. Um, yeah, I did that a few years ago and exercise old slides and movies, a whole thing I had on tape. And uh, it's great. I feel secure now because if they get lost or the cat eats them or whatever. Um, final question. When your time on this planet is done and there's a book written about your life, what would you like the title of the book to be? What could it be? A story of an agile and modern international sales lead. <laughs> Sorry, I missed the first word. Story of a... An agile and modern international sales lead. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, interesting. I'd, you really have, you know, your sales is your life. It really is your your identity yeah. is tied up in yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's at good. work, but yeah. like somehow I see the work through my personality as well. Um, yeah, yeah, know. yeah. Super stuff. We have hit the hour. Okay. and thank you so much for being my guest on the podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Very nice talking to you too.